welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. I want to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis, the first book right there when you open your Bibles. Genesis. Today we are beginning a new sermon series. It's a new year, so it's time to see what God has to say for you, has to say for me, and always want to come to church with an expectation, with a message from the Lord. And today's message is going to be one about how God can take a challenging, difficult situation and rebuild it. This is a theme called rebuild. It's called part two because I believe it was this time last year we were in Rebuild Part 1. And in many ways, we're still rebuilding. So um, here we are at Rebuild Part 2. But God, He solves our problems. We're going to see here in the Bible the story of Hagar and Ishmael and Abraham. They had a problem with Sarah. They all had a problem, and God had to step in and solve their problems. The one promise I'm going to make to you this year is something unexpected will happen in your life. That means you will have an unexpected uh, maybe car accident, unexpected family crisis. It's going to ha- might not be this month. It might be later this year. There will be something that happens at work, something that will happen. You go to visit, you just thought a regular doctor's visit, and they think otherwise. Uh, something come, came up on a scan. An unexpected Something you did not plan for will happen in 2022. And when that occurs, we might not know what to do. You're not going to know how to respond because it wasn't on the agenda that day. All of a sudden now, you are faced with how do I respond when this, with this new expense, this family problem, whatever it is. And God is going to teach us here this morning that we need to fall back on Him. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 21. I'm going to give you some background information on this. And this is a story that many ways, uh, we, we, we know it's in the Bible, but you don't hear a lot of sermons about it. And it's going to be one about these two people called Hagar and Ishmael. There's actually quite a bit in the book of Genesis about these two characters and how they apply to our life. But... Before we read Genesis chapter 21, back in Genesis chapter 16, and I actually have the scripture up there, there was this man named Abraham. God chose him and had a great plan for him, and that's in Genesis chapter 12. And he says, Abraham, you look at all the stars in the sky, and all of your descendants will be like that. I'm going to make you into a great nation. God is going to bless you, Abraham. Your tribe will multiply. And we know that Jesus came from the lineage of Abraham. But Abraham had some challenges throughout his life. And one of those was with his wife. But Abraham was an older man. And by the time we get to Genesis chapter 16, his wife was named Sarah. They wanted to have a baby. They did not have a baby. They did not have the medical technology back then that they do today. You relied upon the Lord to have your baby. You still should rely upon the Lord, but they really relied upon the Lord back then. Sarah couldn't get pregnant. So what Sarah decided to do, and this was a mistake, this is why 
it's wrong to have two wives or two husbands. She looked at her, she had a slave, a personal slave named Hagar. She was an Egyptian. Hagar was younger, and Sarah decided, you know what, if I can't get pregnant, I'm just going to give my personal attendant here to my husband. He can get her pregnant, and I'll raise the child. And Sarah presented that plan to her husband, and Abraham, goofy man that is, said, well, sounds like a good plan. I'll just take a second wife. That's why polygamy isn't good, but this is what happened. So Abraham took a second wife in Hagar. Then next thing you know, Hagar is pregnant, and she has a baby boy named Ishmael. The only problem with that is Sarah struggled with jealousy. She was not happy of what happened in this situation. She resented the fact that her husband got her uh, personal attendant uh, pregnant. And it says here in Genesis 16, verse 5, God's Word says, Then Sarai, Sarai was her name before Sarah. God renamed Sarai and Abram. They became Sarah and Abraham. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And when she saw that I, she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. Sarah now is jealous. She's upset. So she blames her husband. And it is Abraham's fault, even though this was all Sarah's plan. Abraham's in a lose-lose situation, but he should have said no. He shouldn't have took, an, took a second wife. And then Abraham replies. Abraham replied to Sarai, Here, your slave is in your power. Do whatever you want with her. That meant if you want to kill her, if you want to get rid of her, whatever you want to do. So that's probably not the best response by Abraham. He just says, I don't want to deal with this problem. Sarah, I just support you. You do whatever you want to do. And then says Sarai mistreated her so much that she, that's Hagar, she ran away from her. So she ran away because Sarah mistreated her personal slave. This was a family problem. Have you ever had a family problem? Have you ever had issues with people in your family? People just don't get along and we, we see bad decisions that are made. And Abraham and Sarah... And now Hagar, they have issues here. All of them. This is two wives, you've got un unhappy wives. It's just, it's not working out. So what happens, I, will, I won't read it, I'll tell you what happens. Hagar, this lady and her little baby, they run away. And then God came to them and spoke to them and said, Hagar, I want you to know your child that you're going to have, Ishmael, he is going to be a great nation. I will bless him. You need to go back to your mistress, Sarai, and she will take good care of you. So Hagar meets the Lord, and she goes back under Sarah's care. And then one of the great things, what also happened here about Ishmael, Ishmael is born, and there's great prophecies about this man. This is not the child of the promise, but this is Abraham's Firstborn child, firstborn son. And it says here in the next chapter over, 
in Genesis 17, verse 20. God's Word says there's a prophecy about this boy who was born from Hagar. His name's Ishmael. It says, As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. So God took this terrible situation of Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael, and we had family feud going on. Abraham just doesn't seem to... He just goes along with it, I guess. But then God steps in and restores this child back to his family, sends Hagar back home, and then decides to bless Ishmael. A great promise is made. And we won't turn there, but these 12 tribal leaders, I won't tell you what happened to Ishmael. If you, you can turn later on in Genesis 25, verses 12 through 18, Ishmael had 12 boys. God blessed him greatly with a big family. He lived in the wilderness, and he was constantly at battle, constantly fighting at war with one another. He just had a difficult life. But God still made him into a great nation. Now, what's unusual about this, now, history does not support this. This is one of the differences between the Bible and the Quran. The Bible, we have genealogies. That's why I can confidently stand up here and say, Jesus came from the lineage of Abraham. Muhammad, who is the founder of Islam, claims to be a descendant of those 12 tribes of Ishmael, the Ishmaelites. So he would claim, he started Islam about 650, 670 uh, A.D., six, 700 years after Christ, and they claim that Muslims today would claim descendants from Islam or from, from uh, Ishmael. That would be what they would call uh, being a Muslim, being Islamic. That's who they would claim their descendants to be. Now, the Quran, the book Muhammad wrote, it does not give genealogies in it. So, historically, we can't prove that like we can with the Bible, but that is interesting that our Muslim friends would actually claim that they would be descendants of Ishmael. So I'm giving you this background information leading up to what's going to happen right here in Genesis chapter 21. We already have a problem that's going to be laid. Because in our lives, we're going to have these same, similar type of problems. So go ahead, look at your Bible. Genesis 21, verse 8. At this point, Sarah, this is 14 years later. Abraham was 86 years old when his firstborn, Ishmael, came along. 14 years go by, and then Isaac is born. Isaac is Sarah and Abraham's son. That is the child of the promise. That's the lineage that Jesus came through. So, Ishmael is 14 years older. But then, we're going to pick up here in verse 9, and we're going to see, in verse 8, we're going to see how Isaac and Ishmael, something happens in their family, and God has to get involved. God's Word says, The child grew, this is a reference to Isaac, 
and was weaned. So this would be about two years old. This is when a child is no longer breastfed by its mother. So at this point, Isaac is two, Ishmael is 16. And we all know 16-year-olds, they make wise decisions and always say and do the right thing. And that's what we're about to see right here. Ishmael makes a mistake. But Sarah saw, it says here, Abraham held a great feast on that day. Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son mocking. The one Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham. So mocking meant, okay, here's Ishmael, 16-year-old boy. We're having a party for this little two-year-old boy. And we all know two-year-olds are going to do silly things, or two, and probably knocked over his milk, made a big mess, does silly things. And the 16-year-old's making fun, think, why are we having a party for a two-year-old? Was, you know, so, well, that bothered Sarah. She didn't like that. Remember, Sarah struggles with jealousy. Jealousy is a root sin. Jealousy eats you up inside. Jealousy forces you always to call, call, cause comparisons because you're wondering, why didn't I receive this? It, it's the 10th commandment. It's envious. There's a desire for what someone else has. Well, Sarah struggled with this. So what did she do? She does what all, when you have two wives, this is what you do. So she looks at her her husband and then blames the uh, other wife. In verse 10 it says, So she said to Abraham, Drive out this slave with her son. For the son of this slave will not be a co-heir with my son Isaac. She looks to her husband and says, Abraham, Mr. Husband, get rid of this woman and get rid of this boy. Because they're not going to have any part of the inheritance of my child. This is why polygamy is so wrong. Abraham has two wives, and one wife isn't happy with the other wife. We've got an issue. This is a family problem. So Abraham, at this point, he has to do something. He has a situation on his hands, something that he did not plan for. Just like I said earlier, something is going to happen in your life, in your family's life, in 2022, that you didn't plan for. And it says, verse 11, This was very distressing to Abraham because of his son. It says it was distressing. What was distressing about it was, remember, Ishmael is Abraham's son. He loves Ishmael. He's raised this boy. This is... This is who they were longing for. And, but he also has a wife named Sarah who's not happy at all with the situation at hand. And he doesn't know what to do. He's distressed because he loves his son, yet at the same time he's got a family problem he has to deal with. And for us, when we see this Bible verse, very distressing, I want you to know you are going to experience distressing things this year. Something will happen. Think about all the distressing things. Think about the immoral culture we live in. We live in a time where you will have family members struggling with drug addiction, alcohol addiction, 
You have folks there uh, have eating disorders, eating too much food, maybe eating too little food. Folks who are addicted to social media. You're going to have family members that want to change their sexuality. They all of a sudden decide they're transgender, decide they accept homosexuality. You're going to deal with people at work who they commit adultery. Maybe people in your family commit adultery. You're going to have folks who view pornography. There's going to be problems that cause great distress. There's people maybe here on the verge of bankruptcy. There's going to be folks here that they are in trouble with the IRS. They're in trouble at work. They're about to get fired. They're about, about to lose their, their job, lose their house, lose their dog. I mean, it's just there's distressing things all around us that will actively take place. And we can identify when it says here, Abraham, folks, he just doesn't know what to do. And these things just come upon suddenly. All of a sudden, Sarah says, get rid of that boy. I don't want him anymore. I'm jealous. Abraham, take care of this problem. And when this happens, at that point, verse 12, we hold to. Look what verse 12 says in your Bible. This is the key verse. Genesis 21, 12. Do you know, whenever you see a con the conjunction, but, what that means is everything that came before it doesn't matter. doesn't really matter what the first part says, but it says in verse 12, but God said to Abraham, all of a sudden, God steps into this situation. He sees we have a total mess. These are His chosen people whom He's going to send His Son Jesus through. But God is going to step in. And this is why, what rebuild is about. This year, you're going to need a but God moment. A time where you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you don't know how to respond. You're upset about it. It's distressing. But then God comes to your rescue. When you are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we hold and hang our hat on the promise of but God. Because when we are backs against the wall and we have uncertainty, we know that the Lord is there. Jesus died for His children. He died for you. He died for me. So we can be saved. Our home, our, our salvation is in heaven. It says, But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her, because your offspring will be traced through Isaac. And I will make a nation of the slave's son, because he is your offspring. God says, you just listen to Sarah, but don't worry about this son Ishmael, because I'm going to take care of him too. I'm such a good God, I'm such a good heavenly father to you, Abraham, and I've chosen you, and I love you. I will take care of all this entire situation the Lord can handle. Early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and the water skin. It says early in the morning, probably he had a restless night. Whenever you have a heavy heart, you can't sleep at night. That's God speaking to you that you need to turn to the Lord, begin praying and crying out to Him. He gets up early in the morning. He took the bread and the water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulder, and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. This is in southern Israel. This is the northern Sinai areas in the wilderness. There's nothing there. When the water in the skin was gone, 
she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bowshot away. For she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly. What a sad situation. They have their water, they have their food, they're on their donkey, and they're just, God, they're just, Abraham's sending them out. Abraham's trusting the Lord. He has no idea what's going to happen to these two. Of course, naturally, they run out of water. This 16-year-old boy, he's starving to death. He's thirsty. He's probably incredibly weak. It's probably been days, weeks, months. They have very little at this point. And literally, mother puts him under a bush. She can't take it anymore because she knows what's about to happen. No one, no parent, the worst thing ever experienced is your ch- children to die. And she did, can't bear to listen to her son cry for food. They're in the middle of nowhere. And they're dying. And it says here that she walks away and she's weeping over the situation. We're in a position where we need a miracle. And this is, this is the God we serve. Because when we are at the very end, when there's nothing left, we have a miracle God. And He does come through. And look what it says here. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, The Lord heard the cry of the child. What's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand, for I will make him into a great nation. God is reminding Hagar, that boy that's dying right now under that bush, I have a great plan for him. You go, get up, help him up, and take his hand. And don't miss Verse 18, where it says, He grasped, mother grasped grasped the boy's hand. There is power in personal touch. Do you know if you want to get someone's attention, you always can tell when somebody's not listening to you. You get their attention when you grab their hand. You've got them. You hold on to them. They're going to listen to you. That's why when someone is sick, someone is hurting, folks, take them by the hand. When you pray with them, Hold their hand. When you want to discipline children, grab their hand. When you have something important, say, take them by their hand. That's what the Lord is saying. You take their hand and say, I need to talk to you. I want you to listen to me. There is power in human touch. The Bible's telling, Hagar, take your son's hand. Don't be bashful. There's hope. For I will make him in a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. You know, that's what the Lord does. That's the miracle business. She didn't see it. Either she was, didn't see it, or all of a sudden a well just appeared. Either way, it was still a miracle. And she saw a well. All of a sudden, there's the water. God provided the water they needed to live. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy, and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother got a wife from him in the land, from the land of Egypt because his mother was an Egyptian, so she went and found an Egyptian wife for this boy here. We see in this unique story 
how the Lord intervened in a difficult situation. There was crisis going all around here. Let's look for the example. This was a crisis for Abraham. Think about Abraham. He was, the Bible says, distressed. Sarah wanted to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. But this is his wife also and his firstborn son. Not only that, Abraham listened to God when he didn't know what to do. When you do not know what to do, what do you do? You listen to God. You listen for God. You have to make sure it says, Lord, I'm listening because I don't know what to do. When, when a crisis comes, the Lord is there. He got up early in the morning. He provided food and water for Hagar and Ishmael. This man, Abraham, took responsibility as a father. He got up early. Men were to get up early. He took care of his family. Even though he had a family mess going on, he made a provision. He did the best he could. He followed the Lord's leadership in doing that. Abraham had a crisis. God came in and delivered him. Not only did Abraham have a crisis, Hagar, the slave wife, she had a crisis on hand. She ran out of water. She's riding a donkey in the middle of the desert, and she's out of water. She's weeping as she, her son dies under a bush. She had nowhere to turn. God heard her boy crying. God opens up Hagar's eyes. Mama's eyes were open, and she provided for her son. Mothers, God wants to open up your eyes. Abraham took responsibility, provided for his family, listened to the Lord. Mama's eyes here are open. She also provided for her family. Mothers, God might be opening your eyes because your children need to be here in God's house. They need to make a commitment that this year they're going to be dependent and learn about the Lord. There's maybe things in your home, mothers, that don't need to be there. And God opens up your eye saying, we need to remove this. This doesn't belong here. We see God is working amidst these crises in Abraham and in Hagar's life. But not only was there a crisis for Abraham and Hagar, there's also a crisis for Ishmael. Ishmael, we don't know much about him. All he's doing is just, we don't see any words from him, but he's just mocking Isaac. But he, he is a recipient for the crisis. His crisis is he is Abraham's rejected son. He is not the child of the promise. That's Isaac. He was rejected by Sarah. He's the son of a slave woman. Knowing that, he married an Egyptian. His mother, just like his mother was an Egyptian. He lived outside normal social bonds. He had to live in the wilderness. He's one of these John the Baptist guys. He lives out in the country. He lives in Clay County, Kentucky, in the middle of nowhere, in Owsley County, Kentucky. You're just out there. There's just not a lot of folks. And that's where he's at. But even amidst his country living, even amidst his difficult upbringing, even amidst his family in many ways rejecting him, God remembered him. He had all these hostilities. God remembered him. God blessed him. God made him into a great nation. And I think the power of all of this, this just shows us the goodness of God. Even among people, even among family problems, 
when you have family problems or whatever your issue will be this year, in 2022, we remember this story. We cling and hang to this story that God worked miracles through Hagar, Ishmael, Sarah, and Abraham. And amidst it all, we see two nations that are born. The one that came from Abraham and Isaac and the one that came from Ishmael. God loves people because they're all created in His image. And just because He's not child of the promise, He is a child of Abraham, and God loved and took care of the Ishmaelites. And for us, we read this story. We see how God works in the most unique circumstances. And we want to be able to say, God, You are a rebuilder. I'm coming here in 2022, this brand new year, a cold, rainy, snowy Sunday. And Lord, you are a good God. There's things and issues in my life, in my home, among my spouse, among my children, that I can't take care of. But God, I know you can. We are the ones who need a good God. And we are grateful because God is good to us. Jesus Christ came from Abraham. Jesus Christ died for your sins. No matter what you have done, no matter what problems you have, we take confidence from the man who came from the seed of Abraham and Isaac. And Sarah came from God also. That's Jesus. He's here for us. And just we see, just like Hagar and Abraham listened and obeyed to the Lord, we respond to God the same way. When you cry and call out to Him, our God answers. And this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to cry and call out to God. You've come to church this morning. God brought you here. It's not by accident. God brought you here for a purpose and a plan. To see from God's Word that He solves problems. And He's a good God. We are sinful people. We are just like Abraham and Sarah. We have lots of problems. Your problem might be like Sarah, where you're jealous. Men, your problem might be like Abraham, and you have two wives, and that causes a problem. And it does cause a problem. I don't speak from personal experience about having two wives, but I'm sure if you had two wives, it would cause problems there. But the truth is, whatever we bring to the Lord, we call and cry out to Him. And say, Lord, here I am. I am listening and obeying you. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And we're going to have a time of response. You can get saved this morning. You can make Broadway your church home. Or you can need to accept that God is good. God is working amidst of all the problems you have. Rebuilding whatever mess you're trying to live through. We're going to bow our heads and pray. As we pray, our band's going to come up. And I want you to be thinking about, as your head bowed and your eyes closed, you be thinking about what it means to be saved. Abraham had a good God. The father of Abraham is the father that we're praying to now. And maybe you have never viewed God as good. You've always seen Him is someone who's judgmental 
always viewed the Lord as someone who's like a grandfather trying to get on to you, shaking his finger. But we see the provision of a heavenly father taking care of Abraham and his family. And our prayer this morning is for God to do the same for you. You trust your family, you trust your life, you trust your eternity with this good God. Lord, we pray this morning that we surrender to you whatever needs to be rebuilt in our life. And we do that by realizing you're a good God, a loving God, one that we come and cry and call out to. Jesus, I pray if there's anybody, and there is, people here that need to respond to you. We don't need to let another day go by, another service go by. We do not know what our future holds. We respond to you, just like Abraham responded. Just like Hagar grasped Ishmael's hand. Lord, take our hand. Lord, take us home. Lord, we pray this service, as we conclude it, as we respond to you, we pray we'll walk out of here changed because of your word. It changes us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every single worship service, both morning services and our evening service, with what we call an invitation. We invite you to respond to God. So I'm going to invite everybody to stand up. I stand right down here. Zach Bauer stands right there. You can join our church this morning. You can come get baptized. We won't baptize you this morning. We'll schedule it. Or you can come get saved this morning. So our band's going to lead us in our song. Zach and I will be waiting for you to respond to the gospel.